My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes, where every episode is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. On Christmas Day, seven years ago, I was standing in the kitchen with my mom, and both of us were crying. We'd been driving around town looking at Christmas lights, trying to distract ourselves. Because three days earlier, my dad had passed away. But now we were back to the empty house. We didn't want to be alone, but we didn't have anything to say to each other either. I thought I was ready for my dad's passing, especially because he had become a shell of himself over the last few months as his lung cancer spread to his brain. But it turns out I had never underestimated anything so much in my life. The finality of his death shocked me. They say that when a loved one dies, that a piece of us dies with them. What's interesting to me about this statement is that it's actually literal. The neurons in my brain that were associated with my dad's voice, his face, his smile, his laugh, his reasoning, those neurons were no longer firing. A part of my brain, a part of me, that only my dad could trigger had literally died, or was at least dying. So back to the kitchen, after several minutes of crying, my mom finally spoke. She said she'd collected my dad's journals and had placed them in her nightstand. She asked if I wanted to go back and look. I said, sure. We walked back to her bedroom and took out several binders. The first binder I opened was a blue one. It contained a hundred letters that my dad had written to me while I was living in South America over a decade ago. I had thrown away the printed copies he had mailed me, but I had no idea he had kept the originals. He explained in the letters that these letters would be his journal for the next two years. As I read the letters, I got inside his head, or at least he got inside my head. I heard his voice. I saw his face. I heard him laugh. The neurons in my brain started firing again. And for the first time in 72 hours, I felt just a little bit better. In that moment, my dad was ever so slightly resurrected. I spent the next seven years transcribing all of his journals from a 63-year life cut far too short. Every single time I read an entry, I get in his head and I connect with him. I read about his stresses as a young father. I read about his anxiety as he prepares to leave my mother behind. I read about his commitment to his faith and his family. He makes me laugh. He takes me back to my childhood. He takes me back to his life. He teaches me. He comforts me. I feel his love. And I learn more about myself because he's genetically and intellectually a part of me. I was recently reading advice from Scott Kelly. He's a retired NASA astronaut. And he was providing advice for how to live in isolation. So he was saying things like follow a schedule, go outside, get a hobby, you know, things that really apply to us essentially all of the time. But I was especially intrigued that one of his tips was to keep a journal. So NASA's been studying the effects of isolation for decades, and they were quite surprised to find out just how valuable keeping a journal is. It turns out journaling reduces our stress, improves our immune system, strengthens our memory, improves our emotional well-being, increases our focus, boosts creativity, also improves our mood. Who doesn't want those benefits? Something else that journaling does is it allows us to track who we were and who we are becoming. As I mentioned earlier, I moved to South America for two years when I was in my 20s. 15 years later, my wife and I planned a return trip. I wanted to go visit the friends I had made there and share that part of my life with my wife. So to prepare for the trip, I decided to read my journal from when I lived in Chile. As I started reading my journal, I got curious about the moments in my life that led me to Chile So I actually went back a couple years and started reading there. And this became one of the most fascinating experiences of my life. 
I absolutely did not recognize the person writing the journal. I was so angry, contentious, upset, combative. I'm not that way anymore, but I had completely forgotten how I used to be. You could not have possibly convinced me that I was that person writing the journal if it wasn't for my own handwriting. The journal was proof of a life that I had completely forgotten. No doubt this story isn't unique to me. Uh, We must forget 99.999% of the things that happen to us in this life. What did you have for lunch three weeks ago? What did you have for dinner? Uh, What did you wear three weeks ago? Who did you talk to? What did you say? What did they say? What did you think about? About three weeks and a day ago? Four weeks ago? Uh, How about one week ago? Ten years ago? You get the point. I hate that we forget so much about ourselves, but a journal allows us to at least remember something. Ben Franklin said the next best thing to living our life is remembering our life. And what better way to do that than to keep a journal? If you aren't keeping a journal yet, well, yeah, the best time to start writing in your journal was 20 years ago. But the next best time is today. You might be thinking, well, what should I write about? Write about whatever. Describe your day. Describe your thoughts. Describe your friends, your parents, your siblings, your eventual kids. Describe your work, your hobbies, your fears, your challenges. Just write or record. So kids, please keep a journal. It's a simple idea. Take it seriously. It will make you happier. It will make you healthier. And most importantly, someday in the all too soon future, your own children will be standing in the kitchen, devastated, needing to hear your voice, needing to feel your love, needing to connect with you. I hope they'll be able to read your journal. And shoot, even sooner than that, you'll be the one in the kitchen. And maybe you'll click on a Mickles and Dimes episode and the neurons will fire again. And for just a moment, you'll feel a little bit better.